Welcome to an EduThink podcast. This is a thought leadership forum from Education Incorporated. We're at Solid Gold Studios and we have the Grade 10 Life Orientation Group from Education Incorporated. Our theme for this term was making an impact, and this was inspired by an EtonX online course and the work by Dr. Jonathan Beale. In terms of making an impact, one of the first concepts we learned about was assertiveness. Noah, what is assertiveness? To me, sir, assertiveness is standing your own ground. It's the middle ground between being aggressive and being passive. It's kind of like confidence. Yes, I like that. And people are very sensitive to how you respond to them. How is being assertive a positive space? I think being assertive can be a positive space as it allows you to kind of let people know where you stand and how you feel about the situation without being overly emotional. And what are the ways in which someone can use assertiveness more constructively, Nirvan? So I would say that in uh, assertiveness can be used to um, help you come off not as strong to people when you are being more aggressive and not too passive because, for example, if you're in a meeting trying to maybe close a position, coming off too passive means you'll probably get lost in the conversation. But if you come off too aggressive, then people aren't going to want to listen to you because they think that you're being arrogant. Mm. Assertiveness is that middle ground, like Noah said, it basically allows you to not be passive but not be aggressive. It allows you to be confident in what you're saying and therefore uh, persuade your audience into thinking that you are confident, you know what you're talking about, and therefore you know what you're doing, so they'll trust you more. So it promotes clear communication. It does. And how does um, the use of body language feed into that? Well, body language can help because... If you are crossing your legs and you're showing that you're closed off, it will promote that to others that you are not wanting to be in said conversation. When you use more open body language, it will help you to be more part of the conversation and show others that you're willing to listen and discuss topics with them, therefore creating a deeper bond with them and then showing them that you're willing to be here and you want to be here and showing them that their time is also valued. At school... We want to be assertive so that we can communicate clearly and foster better relationships. Luca, is there a way in which you've applied this at school? I would say so. Uh, in our PE lessons, it does take quite a lot to get everyone to listen. So being assertive does help because when you're trying to take control of a situation and you're being aggressive, people tend to not want to listen to you. So when you're assertive and you have open body language, people tend to listen to you more and that helps you take control of that situation. At school, you have many opportunities to face challenges. The world is using the terms resilience more popularly these days. Eddie, would you tell us what is resilience? Resilience refers to you getting back up on your feet and going again. It refers to you improving from a situation where you felt you were once down. And it can also be synonymous with grit. Grit is having courage and resolve and being strong within your own character. Kyle, when have you felt you ever needed to show grit? So we've all had our bad days. And I had a bad day a couple days ago where I flopped a bunch of tests, like a lot of tests. So I had to go home, cry about it at first, and then stand there, listen through my work, make sure I've done everything properly. And then I studied and I studied and Safe to say I'm more prepared than I was last time. And my character has definitely been built up and definitely much better than it was before.
To promote academic resilience, there's the five C's. Austin, would you tell us what these are? The five C's is what we've learned throughout Eternex and class discussions. Confidence, composure, coordination, control, and commitment. Earlier we spoke about confidence in terms of assertiveness, which Noah mentioned, and body language, which refers to the aspect of composure. In terms of commitment, Lou, would you tell us about commitment? Commitment is basically how much effort you put into something. Like it, it's not possible to like achieve something completely without being committed to it. Yeah, sure, you can say I'm good at something. Yeah, you might be good at it, but the question is, are you putting the effort into it? Such as um, with me myself, like some of you might know, I am a music producer. You can make a song, but like how it's going to sound is going to depend on like how much time you put into it. Like. You can make something in two minutes and call that complete, but it's not going to be good as something that you put, let's say, 60 hours into. So that refers also to your dedication. Thank you. At school, you need to coordinate a lot of different projects. Nirvan, you've used coordination as a way of improving academic resilience. Tell us about that. So when you study for exams at the end of the year and you are working and you have a lot of stuff going on, it's very hard to stay organized and coordinate with everyone and make sure that your extra lessons are happening at the right time and that you have planned ahead and that you have your uh, equipment that you need with you during an exam and you have to make sure that this is currently happening because if you don't have these things it will uh, impact on what it happens in the exam you're going to be stressed it's going to cost you time it's going to cost you a lot of more stress than you need to have and it'll make your life harder and being organized is not something very hard to do anyone can do it it's just about the people who want to do it because if you do do it it makes your life a lot easier for someone to be planned it means that you have less stress, you have less anxiety, you know what's going on, and it's going to be easier on you. If you're not planned and you don't know what's happening, chances are you're going to be stressed out. And it's going to, it's also going to have an impact on your marks at the end of the day. So when you have this ability to plan and coordinate properly, and when you use it properly, it will basically allow you to take so much stress off yourself and will relieve so much of that. You used coordination when you've done some of your projects. Yes. So, for example, when we did a BattleBots like two years ago at my robotics club, we had to coordinate a lot with a bunch of people in a bunch of departments because it wasn't only like two people working on the project. There was a team of 30 of us. So when it comes to coordinating with people, you have to make sure that everyone knows what they're doing, what their job is, and you have to make sure that people understand this is the deadline, this is what's happening. When you need to be done with this, because it's going to be coming to our station, you have this amount of time. People need to understand then that you all need to work as a team and be coordinated so you can get the task at hand done. It sounds like a lot of school is down to coordination. If you're able to coordinate things, then school becomes a lot easier. And so naturally, it would promote academic resilience. That includes things like composure, which means you have low anxiety levels. And naturally, that would help you succeed academically. So one of the C's is the sense of control and how that promotes academic resilience. Yelani, tell us about how you've used this. 
So the way how I've used control is, for example, that when I did a presentation on economics on the economic view of the week, I did my presentation. And once I was done doing my presentation, I think of control as a way of like knowing how to control feedback coming from other people. Because when people give you feedback, you need to know how to take constructive criticism as a form of control. Because if you make things personal, then that's just not taking constructive criticism. That's just making things personal. And it's not only about that. It's also about how effectively you control around yourself in the environment. Say now you study for a particular test, whether it's a math test or an English test, and you want to really get this perfect mark. But then you always see these background noises and distractions. So you want to know how to control yourself within the environment. One of the key aspects of being a leader or developing as a leader is to know yourself and then to be able to control your environment and your life. So that sounds like it would help you in, in developing academic resilience. And academic resilience is one aspect of the, the topic of resilience, which, Kyle, you've been researching a lot for your recent TED Talk on resilience. Tell us more about this concept of resilience. So I have a definition that I can give you. So resilience is defined by the Oxford Dictionary as the ability to recover from setbacks, adapt well to change, and keep going in the face of challenges. So in other words, resilience is the ability to keep going and never back down from a challenge. So in my TED Talk, I had to expand on resilience, and I had this particular example that I can give you now. So I remember back when I was 12 years old, I had this game called Candy Crush, and there was this one level in particular which for the life of me I just couldn't get over. So even though I tried to cheat and I cheated many times, I still couldn't get over it. But eventually after doing the levels thousands of thousands of thousands of times, I completed it. And that day I felt like a god. If someone is not in school and they don't need to apply academic resilience, is there still a way that they can apply resilience? Say if someone's driving to the airport and they encounter a challenge on the way and they're about to miss their flight, how would they apply the concepts of grit and resilience, Eddie? It depends on how they react to the situation. Driving to the airport, hitting a pothole, missing your flight to Los Angeles on a cold night can surely hit you with some feeling of anger and resentment against your situation. But what's important is that once that's already happened, once your tire's already flat, it's about pumping it back up. It's about getting a new spare tire and putting it on and continuing your journey because the tomorrow you deserves a chance at life. It deserves a chance of prosperity. And in your own world with playing games, how do you apply these concepts of grit and resilience and, and standing up you know, when, when challenges become difficult? My first response is putting in a cheat code. But obviously in life we can't do that. But in the context of a video game, I would say there's levels to it. And Losing to a level multiple times is frustrating and it's degrading in a sense. But what's important is that you get the right equipment, you get the right tools, you get the right things around you to make your situation better, to make yourself stronger and completing that level. Adding to what Eddie has just said, um, when you're like in a rush, there's a line between like taking stuff like way too aggressively over the top. And there's a thing between like being not too like chillaxed, but just quote unquote aggressive enough to get things done. Like sure, like if you like he was saying about the example where you're driving to the airport, 
if you're in a rush and you like drive fast and do all that kind of stuff, you're more likely to experience more issues down the road than if you just keep calm, tell yourself, I'm going to make it and just try your best to make it without going over the top. Noah, you recently gave a motivational talk. Do you want to tell us about that? One of the highlights of my motivational talk was when I said wanting to do better is spawned from either failure or disappointment. And I can give a few examples of this. When Adonis lost his fight brutally in Creed II and came back and conquered his opponent, he came back stronger than he was before. Or when this guy Noah Nero got into a fight with the lion and almost didn't get up, but he rose to his feet with all his might and wrestled the lion into submission. Yeah, that's what my favorite story. Ultimately, all of this talk about resilience and grit is part of the conversation about human flourishing. And that is where the concept of flow comes in. Luca, tell us about flow. Well, flow is a state of mind where you're performing at your best. It's when you're completely focused on one task and one task only. You can learn 500 times faster while in a state of flow than normal. Flow we can see in the form of a chart, like one you'd see in business studies for the business cycle. On the y-axis, you would have challenges, and on the x-axis, you'd have skills. And on that equilibrium, you would have the flow channel. And otherwise, you would have anxiety and boredom. If you know too much for a test, for example, and the test is very easy, then you'll be bored. But if you didn't study at all, and the test is hard, then you'll have anxiety. So where you want to be is that equilibrium or what we call the flow channel. Based on that, we can go from boredom and anxiety into that sweet spot or the state of flow. Tests can even be a source of pleasure if you are in a state of flow. Jeremy, you talked about how we can get into that state or how a test can actually be a rewarding experience. Tests are checkpoints in your life where the school the schooling system, measures how much you have learned. How do you reduce anxiety around a test? A test only causes anxiety when you don't know what you're doing. In the example, if you haven't studied. But tests can actually become quite nice and rewarding when you do know what you're doing. If you study all of your right things and you know exactly what you're doing, a test will feel like more of a reward than a punishment. Well, this is an entirely different way of seeing tests, and it's nice to hear a learner talk about it as almost a rewarding experience. If you've overprepared and the test is too easy, how do you feel versus if you're not prepared at all? If the test is too easy, you're not going to be learning. You're just going to be putting down answers that are come easily, and you're not going to be challenging yourself because you only learn once you challenge yourself. This is almost the same as you don't learn if it is too hard. Because if you have no idea what's going on, you don't know where to start learning. Circling back to the diagram that Lucas spoke about, where there's skills versus challenges. If someone is feeling anxious or bored, it means they're not in that sweet spot in the state of flow. So how do they use this information to enter a state of flow? Well, if you're finding yourself 
bored while taking a test, you know that the test is too easy. And you need to challenge yourself more by either finding harder tests or taking harder subjects. If you find yourself too anxious, that means you don't know enough. The tests are set at a certain level, and that is a good level. If you are anxious, you need to study more and learn more. So you're saying that if we increase our knowledge or skill, we'd reduce our anxiety, but we shouldn't back down from the challenge. And this reminds me of what Eddie mentioned about kids these days wanting things to be easy. It never gets easier. Uh, the easy bus isn't coming. What's important is that you adapt to the challenge and you become ductile. Nirvana, you mentioned this concept of, um, in terms of materials, being ductile as compared to being rigid and shattering. Tell us about the idea of being ductile. So when I talk about being ductile, I talk about your ability to, instead of shattering, uh, rather stretch and be malleable to the situation at hand. Allow yourself to absorb what's going on in the situation take it in and then like change your form to better suit the situation and therefore create a better outcome earlier we spoke about resilience and we've spoken about grit how does flow and grit complement each other well grit is a characteristic that it lies between the intersection of passion and perseverance we can use it to help in the flow diagram with lowering our challenges to keep us comfortable, to keep us in that flow channel, to make sure we do not experience anxiety during a test or something. To delve into flow, Yolani, would you tell us about the different types? Well, you get this type of flow, which is called group flow. Group flow is basically the shared experience of flow among other people within that group. So for example, if you have ever seen musicians live with different instruments, they have a flow of how they want to create rhythm of music, any type of music you can think of. Or better yet, in sports, if you see a basketball team, you'd see on how they approach their flow in a, uh, as a group, whether from like d defense, whether from shooting, or better yet, whether from knowing to be uh, active and coordinate with each other. Making an impact refers to having an influence, and being a leader is about having an influence. Noah, would you tell us about having an influence? To me, having an influence and making an impact, they can kind of coincide with each other. To me, being influential is affecting someone's life or choices to make them do something that they wouldn't usually do, whether that be positive or negative. That's a nice intersection between group flow and all of you in a classroom where if we, if we are able to put this to use effectively, the entire classroom is in a state of flow and is learning effectively. And each one of you in the classroom is having that impact so that the, the, the group goes into a state of flow and and learns so much faster. At Education Incorporated, we enhance the syllabus to bring in the best practices from the world. This concept of flow and grit is something that's presented even at corporate levels to increase team performance. We've done a term of making an impact. What is the takeaway? Take a chance, make a difference. I promise you won't regret it.
learning about body language was beautiful. It's not just fix my posture. I can now sit straight. But not just that. It's including the fact that now when I'm talking to someone, I show them something proper. Understanding the limits between going too aggressive and being too relaxed. I've been more assertive, which my younger brother might say was bossy, but I've been less aggressive when asking people to do things. I learned how to take a challenge and to never give up, to carry on going when times get tough. I learned to get more involved in the community. I learned to be more assertive, not just laid back. My attitude toward challenges has completely changed. I don't look at them as something to dread, but something to look forward to. I learned that with uh, flow in making an impact is that I would always never like stop, you know, being good at things, like always not getting distracted or better yet when I'm playing a game like Doom or, or God of War is that I knowing where to attack on which part of the enemy and knowing what's good and bad. Through this module, I have learned to assert myself. I have taken that being influential and being assertive are important. From what we've learned, to me, being influential and being assertive are the most important things. I have applied this in speaking out more of my thoughts because they are so valuable. Thank you, Great Tens, for sharing your thoughts on how to make an impact. Goodbye, and see you in the next podcast. Bye, sir. Bye, Goodbye. Sir. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to another production from Solid Gold Podcasts.